good and all the time God is good it is so good to be with you in the house of the Lord amen and I just want to welcome all of you and welcome those that are tuning in online today as well Um, you know I I mentioned this a couple weeks ago and I think as we continue to watch what's happening on the world stage we have to acknowledge it is a privilege it is a privilege to gather in the presence of God amen people are doing that in bunkers today Thanks be to God for their faith and their pursuit after God, just like we are today. And if you happen to be uh, here for the first time today, I'm so grateful you're here with us. My name is Pastor Andy. Uh, I serve alongside Pastor Ann. Pastor Ann is on walk to Emmaus this weekend, so be in prayer for all the pilgrims there. Uh, Super excited for that. There's a there's a women's walk coming up the end of April, the first of May. And uh, if you're participating in that, would you raise your hands? I know Maxine and Leslie, and I think there's a couple others going. If you're interested in going, it will enrich your life. And so see one of them after worship today. Um, but I want you to know that you're always welcome here at The Way, where we are committed to sharing in hope, living with purpose for the sake of others. That sharing in hope, that hope has a name. You know who that is? Jesus. And we're in this season of Lent where we're talking about having a Jesus-shaped life. What does it mean to have a Jesus-shaped life? I was reminiscing this past week. My parents had made the move to their, their lake home, and they've got pictures sitting out. And, and I was reminded again of the fact that, you know, have you ever had this told to you that you resemble someone else in your family? You, you ever been told you resemble someone else in your family? Well, I have been told I look like my dad. And in fact, when I worked with my dad, sometimes when I would pick up the phone, they would mistaken me for my dad on the phone. Apparently, I not only look like him... I sound like him. And so this is a picture of my dad's uh, senior portrait. And next to it is my senior portrait. Scary, right? Uh, It is scary the family resembles. Here's what's even scarier. My mom will remind my dad and me and and point to Kristen how much my dad resembles my grandfather. And she'll turn to Kristen and say, you know, this is Andy in 25 years and in 50 years, pointing to my dad and to my grandfather. (laughs) Like, oh, no, oh, no. You know, but here's the funnier thing is, is the the interesting thing is, is, is growing up and and even to this day, when I say something or I do something that gets my mom flustered, my dad's the first one to say, you are a reflection of your mother. He's quick, quick to deflect the reflection that I resemble her rather than him in some way, even though I sound and look like him and in many ways act like him. Uh, I'm a 14 year old in a 45 year old body. He's a 14 year old in almost 70 year old body. Uh, not a lot's changed in our family. And, and I've picked that up with my own girls. I, I, anytime Kristen gets flustered with girls, I'm like, they're a reflection of you. They're a reflection of you. She doesn't like that too much. But needless to say, here's the thing, though. As followers of Jesus, we're called to take on traits. We're called to take on characteristics of Jesus Christ. We're to be imitators of Christ. If you remember a couple of weeks ago as we began this series, we talked about how the Holy Spirit desires to shape followers of Jesus into the image of Jesus. Think about that. 
the Holy Spirit wants to shape you, wants to shape me, those of us that are seeking to follow after Christ to begin to reflect his image in and through to the world. And, and I can't think of a greater mark, a, a higher trait than that of love. I mean, there's an old hymn. Y'all know the hymn? They will know we are Christians by our... There you go. That's a good answer, right? You know, and, 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 and that's the trait that I want to reflect on today. You know, as we, we looked at obedience last week, we want to reflect on our relationships this week and how the love of Christ, when we embrace it and we begin to embody it, can transform our relationships. And Paul got this. Paul understood this. In fact, what we find in, in several of his letters is it's just this imploring of the early followers of Christ to follow in the steps of Christ, to imitate Christ almost. In fact, exactly, that's what he speaks to in Ephesians. And that's what I want us to reflect on today is, is where Paul is leading those that seek to follow after Christ, how we can imitate in his love in our relationships. Amen? So with that, I've got to put my glasses back on because I can't see very well without them. But let us turn to the letter to the church in Ephesus. And, and I want to read in verse, or chapter 4, verse 17, and I'm going to take us all the way to chapter 5, verse 2. And I invite you to read along. Uh, if you've got a Bible app, open it up. You want to look to the screens or just simply listen to God's word for us this morning. Paul writes, So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of the life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made anew in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for a day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me this morning? Almighty Father, what a privilege it is 
to enter into your presence once again. God, thank you for this body of believers being able to gather in your midst. Lord, I know that if, if others are like me, there are things that have been heavy on my mind and my heart over this past week and months. And so, Lord, we bring that here to bear. But Lord, I pray that through the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would open our minds, you would open our hearts to hear from you, to receive from you, to be renewed by you, to be transformed by you and your word. So, Lord, I pray that the meditations of our minds and the words of my mouth would be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. And I pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And the church said, Amen. 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 Well, no doubt, Jesus is all about love. I love the way that Michelle prayed today. She alluded to what Jesus answered when he was asked, what is the greatest of commandments? Do you remember this? We find it in Mark 12. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's in Mark 12. But Jesus didn't just say that, he lived it. If you you fast forward to his life in the upper room, just in in hours, if not a day before he's about to be arrested, we find him washing the disciples' feet, doing an an amazing act of service, sacrificial love to his disciples. And he gives them a new command. And if we look in John 13, we find this, a new command I give you, love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Sounds a lot like that hymn, right? And they'll know we are Christians by our, by our, and they'll know we are Christians by our. It's right here, y'all. That's being pulled right out of Jesus' own words in the upper room. But he would go deeper. If you look back to to chapter 15, verse 13, we find this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. To lay down one's life. You see, love clearly is a core value of Christ and a core value of the kingdom of God. And Paul got this. He was a little slow, right? He was Saul. He was the persecutor of the church, but he became the greatest proclaimer of the gospel of the good news. And we have several of his letters. And the one we read today, he says this. It says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Walk in the way of love. Follow God's example. I, 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 you, know, you know, I sometimes allow the geek in me to get into the Greek, and, and, and that's where I think we get a, a deeper understanding, a more fuller understanding of what is being written here by Paul. Because underneath this following in the ways is a Greek word called mimete. Mimete. It's where we get the, the word mimic or imitate, right? And he's saying we're called, we're called to imitate God. And I was thinking about this, you know, I don't know about you, but as a kid, I wanted to be like my dad. You know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s, and there was this thing, this slogan, be like Mike, you know, Michael Jordan. You know, we got in March Madness right now, and I'm thinking about it, you know. I got news for you. I wanted to be like Mike until I lost my tooth in a reverse jam on a basketball goal in eighth grade. I don't got the ups, y'all. I just don't. 
So being like Mike is not it for me. But being like my dad is something that I wanted to do. I wanted to imitate him. I wanted to follow in his footsteps. And, and he's still in the nursery industry today. But, but growing up, I would walk behind him. Maybe some of y'all have seen this. You know where a kid follows the parent that's cutting the grass in the yard? Only I've got that plastic lawnmower that's blowing bubbles out the side. I would follow in my dad's footsteps. And that's what Paul's getting at here, is to imitate, to mimic but not our earthly mother or father or or aspiring figure in our life, but our heavenly father. Because you see, when we say yes to Jesus, we become adopted into God's family. We've been talking about these over these last several weeks. We become children of the most high, and we're called to imitate, to mimic, to follow God's example and the love and the way that Jesus did. In other words, rather than be a reflection of your mother or your father, We're called to be a reflection of Jesus Christ in and through to all of the relationships in our lives. I don't know about you, but that's a daunting task. How do we do that? What does that look like? And that's what I got to wrestling with this past week is, what does it look like to love like Jesus? And that led me to to a more significant question that I think we have to start with. We've got to back up. And, and ask this question, when, when you hear the word love, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind when you hear the word love? We live in a culture that espouses love, right? Love is, 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 is the capital in our society. It's espoused and pushed on us in so many ways. But so often I think the cultural understanding of love is something less than what God wants, or not fully what God wants. It's on its way, but not there yet. So often the love that we see is a self-seeking love, a self-gratifying love, a love that puts self over others, a love that oftentimes is about our feelings. How we feel about something determines whether we love it or them or not. But you see, that's not the love that I think Paul is getting at here. That's not the love that God has for us. Listen again to what he wrote. He says, walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And gave himself up as a fragrant offering, as a sacrifice? That sounds a little different than a lot of times the understanding of love that we know of and we espouse in society. You see, Paul was getting at the fact that Jesus didn't walk the walk, but he talked the talk. He did both. He, he lived a life where he espoused to love, and he lived that out. And it culminated with the cross. And, and you'll see that the cross is front and center of our sanctuary for a reason during this Lent, because we have to go to the cross to begin to grapple with the reality of God's love for us. You, you know, I, I, many of you probably have jewelry that have a cross around your neck. Any of y'all have a cross around your neck? Some of us do. Bumper stickers with crosses on them, right? Our logo for the, the way has a cross in it. Our, our steeple has a cross attached to it. It's right in the windows right here. But, but, you know, it's an adorned figure in the esteemed understanding of God's love. But in the first century, the cross, <laughs> it wouldn't be something you adorn around your neck. Well, the cross was an instrument just like the gas chamber or the electric chair is today. It was used for those that were deemed undesirable. It was used for those that were deemed that life could not continue for them. This is the cross upon which Christ laid his 
life. And you know, as Protestants, we, we like to look at the empty cross and we wear that a lot. But I think all too often we fail to remember that Christ was actually upon that cross. So take a moment and look to the screens, if you will. This is from a movie that gets me every time I watch it. If any of y'all have watched The Passion of Christ by Mel Gibson, I'm a mess every time I watch this. You see, there are those, even within the faith, that say we need to diminish looking at this. But I would argue that perhaps our Catholic friends have it right sometimes. When you go into Mass, there's a crucifix. It's a reminder of God's sacrificial love for us because Christ is upon the cross. This is an image none of us want to look at. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to look at it. But I think if we want to be able to grapple with the love that God has for us, we have to. And if we want to love like Christ loves, then we first have to grapple with the way in which he loves you and he loves me. Because you see, it's on the cross that we find the depth of God's love for us. It's when we look upon Christ on the cross, we realize that God doesn't dismiss our sin. He deals with it. He deals with it. My sin. And there's plenty. Your sin. Our sin. God doesn't sidestep our sin. He doesn't sweep it under the rug. He doesn't dismiss it. He chooses to deal with it by taking it upon himself. You you, you see, the, the penalty of sin, you know what that is, right? The wages of sin are what? Death. And we read that and we say, yeah, yeah, maybe. But honestly, who here cannot raise their hand and acknowledge where sin's gotten in between you and someone else and it's caused the death of that relationship? Brokenness in those relationships. Sin separates. Sin destroys. It's deadly. Even if we haven't physically died, it is deadly. And Jesus, when we look upon him upon the cross, we realize that he took the penalty of my sin, of your sin, of our sin upon the cross. It's upon the cross that we realize that he not only took our penalty, he not only took the burden of our sin, but it's there that we hear him cry out to God, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. You see, it's when we look upon Christ upon the cross that we're confronted with God's truth and extended God's grace. You know, we like to think of God as love, and He is. And we can declare that today. Amen? But God's love is not inconsistent with His intolerance. The truth is He's intolerant of our sin, starting with mine. I'm preaching to myself here today. Y'all don't have to say amen to that, but I'm preaching to myself. You see, we're confronted with God's truth at the cross, but we are also extended His grace. Let me say that again. We are confronted with God's truth, and we are extended 
His lavish grace. It's here upon the cross that we find the great love that God has for each and for all and all of humanity. No one is beyond being saved by God's grace. Amen to that? Amen to that. You you see, when we look upon Christ on the cross, we recognize that love cannot be defined by a feeling. You look at that picture, and I can guarantee you if that's anywhere close to what Christ was enduring, he didn't feel like being there. He didn't feel like being lied about, spat upon, stripped of his clothing, brutally beaten, lied about, jeered, hanging, suffering on a cross. He didn't feel like doing any of that. Love's not defined by a feeling. What is it he prayed in the garden? Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, but not my will, but I will. You see, when we look upon the cross and find Jesus there, we find that love's not defined by a feeling. Rather, love is acting in the best interest of others. Love is acting in the best interest of someone else. That's what we find upon the cross when we look upon Christ on the cross for you and me. And that call, that call to love like Christ, well, guess what? It has to imitate that kind of love. It has to imitate the love that we find at Christ upon the cross. It's a love that's sacrificial. It's a love that forgives sins. It's a love that puts the interest of the other over ourselves. It's a love that denounces the status that we so desperately seek, whether it be on social media or popularity in community. It's a love that respects the call to be obedient, to be faithful, to be just, to be holy just like we find Jesus on the cross doing. What is it that Paul wrote? He, he talks about taking off our old self and, and the, indulging in the desires of the old self and putting on the new self. In other words, putting on Christ. When we say yes to Christ, we die to ourselves and we rise with Christ. And we put on a new life. And he, and he writes this in verse 24, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Righteousness, holiness. God is a God of holy love. And we're called to imitate that. And Paul desperately wanted the early church to get this. Paul, in his letter to the church in Ephesus, Paul is a a prayer warrior par excellence. If you ever want to learn how to pray, well, Michelle led us powerfully today, but if you could look in the letters of Paul, almost in all of them, he has a prayer. And if we back up before what we read today to, to Ephesians chapter 3, we find him praying this prayer. Listen to what he was praying on behalf of those there in Ephesus. Beginning in verse 14, it says, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, 
may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. We're talking about a mind-blowing love, y'all here. And he goes on to write, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Filled with his love for yourself, for your family, for your neighbor, for your enemy, for your adversary, for the person that doesn't think the way you do. Filled with that kind of love. You you see, I think what Paul's trying to get at is that you can't give what you haven't received. Have you ever thought about that? You, You can't give what you haven't received. And Paul's wanting them to experience and then begin to embrace something they perhaps have not fully received. And as I think about that prayer and I think about my own life, I don't know about you, but but perhaps I haven't grappled with that fully. Maybe you haven't either. And so I ask you, as I ask myself, have you begun to grasp the breadth and the depth, the height and the width of God's love for you? Have you? Perhaps today is a day to again dig in a little more and open up a little more to the depth of God's love for you, the extent to which he will go to share his love for you and desires it to flow through you. Because I got good news for you today. There's something that happens. There's something that happens when we begin to experience and embrace God's love for us in Christ Jesus There's something that happens when we allow Christ to enter in and begin to rule in our life, not just as Savior. Y'all know I talk about Savior, you know, Jesus is the gumball Jesus, but I'm talking about Lord of our life. When we allow him to, to set up residency in our heart, when we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us with God's holy love, well, guess what? It begins to displace some things. It begins to displace our disordered affections and our dysfunctional desires, those things that Paul's illuminating in this letter and so many other places in Scripture that Jesus even speaks to himself. Things like impurity, greed, anger, unkind words, untrue words about others, and even bitterness. You see, something happens, and and as we allow the work of the Holy Spirit to displace those things, to dislodge those things in our minds and in our hearts, we allow the reign of God in us, His love to shed anew in our hearts. And it begins to enable us to do some things that Paul wrote about too, to be able to speak truth and grace, to be able to speak words of compassion, to be kind one another it empowers us to be able to work out our anger and not allow god not allow the devil to have a foothold in that regard it even allows us to forgive freely and i know that's hard for some of us hard for me at times you see forgiveness is free but it's not cheap the cross of christ reminds us of that But when we allow the love of Christ to flow in us and fill us and displace us, we realize we don't have to keep a ledger. God hasn't for you, for me, 
neither do we. Perhaps in some ways, the greatest way in which we reflect Christ's love is when we were willing to forgive the other and let go. It doesn't mean we forget. There's a lot to work through for us when it comes to forgiveness. But the cross of Christ is a reminder of his love for you and for me. I don't know about you, but I am convicted in this whole week as I was reflecting on this, I am convicted that I want to love others more like Jesus. How about you? But if I'm honest with you this morning, if others were to look to me and imitate me, (laughs) well, there's moments in which they wouldn't see God's love in my thoughts, my words, in my actions. There's more work to be done in me. (laughs) Thanks be to God that God doesn't give up on me or you. But I know in order to allow that to happen, to, to seek that, to, to, to be more like Christ, well, there's some things I have to be willing to do. I have to be willing to repent even further as the Holy Spirit prompts those things, those strongholds that are still in my mind and in my heart that are not of Him. <laughs> and yield to a further indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Y'all, the Holy Spirit's in each and every one of you. You realize that this morning? The Holy Spirit's already at work in you. The love of God's already being sown into your hearts. But to look like Christ rather than to look like ourselves means that we have to yield fully to the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Because when we allow the Holy Spirit to begin to shape us, we begin to love like Christ does. It looks a lot less self-serving and a much more other-oriented. At the end of my life, I'm tickled to death that I look like my dad. I love my dad. My dad loves me. And he has shown me the love of Christ in immeasurable ways, even when I have disappointed him. And thanks be to God that I have an earthly father that does that. But at the end of my life, I want people to say that he was a reflection of Christ. How about you? How about you? How about us? as a church. May it be so. May it be so. Would you pray with me? God, you're so gracious. You're so amazing. Your love is amazing. It is so divine. Sometimes we fail to grasp the width and the depth, the height and the breadth of your love. Sometimes we look at the cross void of your son, Jesus Christ, and we fail to forget that he went there. Yes, even there. For ourselves, for our neighbors, for our enemies, for all of humanity. God, it's there that if we're honest, we don't like the word intolerance in our culture today. But it is a place where we see that out of your holy love, you are intolerant of that which is not holy in us. Rather than punish us, you took the penalty upon yourself. 
I don't know how many of us would be willing to do that. I don't know of any other faith in which God is willing to do that. So God, help us reclaim your truth and your grace that's found upon the cross of Jesus Christ. Help us to reclaim that we are loved beyond measure. Help us to reclaim a work of the Holy Spirit in us, to begin to operate in our lives, to dislodge those things that are not of you. (laughs) Displace them, God. And in their place, fill us with your love. Help us to be imitators. Mimate. Mimate. Help us to mimic your love. And help us to acknowledge we can't do that on our own. That is only by yielding to the work of your Holy Spirit in us. So come, Holy Spirit, come in this moment. Almighty Father, send your Holy Spirit upon each and every one of us anew this morning. Lord, speak into our hearts this morning. Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds, dislodge those things that are not of us. Holy Spirit, come. We need you in this moment. Help us not to leave this moment without you opening us up to a move of your Spirit in this room. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Shape us into the image of Christ. We pray. Amen. Amen.